1: Welcome to the Cultum Collective Commentaries featuring Dave A.C., the Sixth Doctor,
0: and Randall Thor.
2: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Cultum Collective commentaries yes it's that time again it's time to talk all over the top of another episode of oh, dave you've left your bandages laying on the floor again
0: oh dear, sorry about that i'll uh i'll just go and clean him up he wants me to think he's
2: uh he's my daddy but he doesn't even pull off being my mummy
0: well my whole life is unraveling really
2: <laughs> uh well it's been foretold that uh mike will be joining us mike are you here i wrapped up in all sorts of stuff, stuff here. Hold on. On. what's going on? Hello. Oh, dear. Dear, dear, dear. He's always wrapped up in his work. <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> I'm here. Yeah. And the crickets are as well.
1: <laughs> They're back.
2: They keep yes. following me around. There's a fan club going on for these guys, you know.
1: Yeah.
2: The, the, the crickets of the Colton Collective.
0: Yeah, well, it was foretold there'd be crickets. Are <laughs> <laughs> you're my mummy. I think that's what they're saying in cricket language.
2: Yeah, there you go. If you listen carefully, you can just hear it. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you'd like to join the crickets of the Colton Collective fan club, uh, just send a stamp, self-addressed uh, cricket wing to uh, the Colton Collective, care of the Colton Collective at Collective dot <laughs> or cultum.com. Sorry, yes, there you go. All right, um, so, yeah, that's enough puns, I think, for now, at least, uh, at least we get into the episode proper. We're here to talk all over the top of Mummy on the Orient Express. And, uh, yeah, if everybody's got their express, expressly uh, expressed version of uh, Mummy on the Orient Express at the Express Ready, we'll express on and have an espresso. Sorry, it's espresso. <laughs> There's no accident. <clears throat> Gentlemen, are you ready?
0: Indeed you do.
1: I was going to use the espresso joke, but you took it. I'm ready over here.
2: (laughs) All right. No need to get uh, steamed milk about it. (laughs) Ah, yes. We're scraping the bottom of the uh, barrel. Yes. All right. So everybody at home is ready. I'll count everybody in. In five, four, three, two, one, play. Sixty-six. Ooh. That's how Ooh. old Dave was in sixty-six.
0: Beautiful close-up of the clock, uh, watch. Mm. This is where they shouldn't have shown the trailer. You know, giving things away. I mean, this looks like a an idealistic train journey. Right. You know, in the around the nineteen hundreds. Looks brilliant. The detail.
2: And the woman who's about to bite the big one here is uh, uh, Janet Henfrey who, uh, uh, if you're like Darth and myself and love As Time Goes By, you recognize her as Mrs. Bale from As Time Goes By. Uh, But you may also remember her as Mrs. Hardacre in uh, the 1989 story, The
1: Curse of Fenric. Sylvester McCauley story.
2: Yes. In other words, Darth's never seen her. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, But uh, she's uh, currently uh, filming Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Do
1: you know who's also in that movie?
2: Pride, Prejudice and Zombies? Yes. Um, Pride, Prejudice and Zombies?
1: Matt Smith. Matt Smith's in it!
2: Awesome. So there you go. Good Doctor of there.
0: But possibly not the Doctor you're looking for. (laughs) See, now, that should have been the reveal. Not showing that in the trailer. (laughs) Short teaser, only one and a half minutes there.
2: Right.
0: I think last week's was another quick trailer, too.
1: Another teaser. We were into the title sequence within the first two minutes on last week's.
2: But of course, her last appearance in Doctor Who, Curse uh, of Fenric, she only made it through two parts of the uh, story before biting the big one. Um, but yeah, as as well as uh, that, well, she's got a long history of of, uh, of acting roles. Um, she was actually in an episode of The Fi- a Fine Romance, uh, which, of course, um, also stars uh, Judy Dench. Uh, of course, Doctor Who, uh, Bernard and the Genie. That's a good movie if you ever get a chance to see it, Bernard and the Genie. Um, she's also uh, played Sister Joan in an episode of Casualty. Casualty? <laughs> Casualty. But Alice in Wonderland, uh, The Singing Detective. Oh, yeah, there's just, you know tons and tons of stuff so she's a very good actress don't don't let the fact that she's only in for like 20 seconds fool you
0: did anybody oh, did anybody like the fact the doctor has got the uh, the old floppy maverick western tie
2: yeah I did
0: when, when I could first actually, doctor, yeah. <laughs> when I
2: could actually see the tie oh well, yeah
0: Because
2: there are certain <laughs> shots where the tie disappears for some reason. <laughs> it's when a flapper dress is in the shot as well.
1: I'm speaking of people who are barely
0: in this episode.
2: What, foxes? Yeah.
0: A fo- foxy lady, yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Singing a cover. Yeah, of song. a queen song. Mm-hmm.
2: Which is actually fantastic. Um, you can see it on the BBC uh, channel on YouTube. Um, but I suggest if you're uh, trying to avoid spoilers of upcoming episodes that you go over to um, uh, Fox's uh, YouTube channel because her one is spoiler-free. And I just love her her because you get to see the whole performance and it's really great. Uh, I love the way she performs it. I love the song. It's been going through my head all day. Um, So job done, BBC. Thank you. Uh, is,
0: there, is there a channel called I Am Foxes
2: or something? Yes, I Am Foxes. That's what I was trying to think of. Uh, but her name is uh, Louisa Rose Allen. Um, her debut album is called Glorious. And uh, she can be uh, on uh, going on tour in the UK for the album.
0: Oh, we should be drinking champagne, Ian.
2: Yes, we should, but we're not. I'm drinking a Rioja.
0: <laughs> I think they messed that black hole up. You know, it looks a little bit like a whirlpool. It should be not moving at that sort of speed. Well, mm-hmm. moving at fantastic speed, but because of the size of it, it would appear not to be moving at all.
1: Right. Look at the size of it,
2: Doctor.
0: <laughs> the size of that thing, Doctor.
2: <laughs> yes, it is a big one, isn't it, Jamie?
0: <laughs> so now you've done your Graham Sheridan impression, would you like to tell us what you're drinking?
2: <laughs> yes. You just did, yeah.
0: <laughs> More to <laughs> it than that. It's got uh, Graciano grape or something.
2: Uh, yes, uh, Graciano two thousand twelve. Uh, it's uh, Morum uh, Carlos Rodriguez. Um, it's very nice, very blackberry. Mm.
0: And I'm drinking a South African First Cape Special Cuvée Cabernet Sauvignon. Very nice indeed. It is too. This uh, this...
2: Little, sorry, there's a last little comment from Foxes on this. Um, when she was asked about her, you know being on on Doctor Who, uh, she says uh, she isn't worried that she got such a small part. She says I'm going to stick to singing for a while because it's Doctor Who. I'm like, sod it, it's fine.
0: <laughs> so oh, I... she's
2: quite happy to do the role and quite happy to just you know be singing on it. So and. I'm very happy it came off the way it did. I was a little worried it was going to be like some kind of stunt casting, you know, that she was popular in the UK. So let's shoehorn her into an episode. But it's quite well done, actually.
0: Yeah. And she has it on her resume now.
2: Yep. I, I done, Doctor O. Good <laughs>
0: character to this guy.
2: Yes, David Bamber playing Captain Quell.
0: Born in Walton near Manchester.
2: Oh, well, something, some good things come out of Manchester then.
0: Yeah, he, he trained at Manchester Youth Theatre. <laughs> there
2: you go. He's been but, in um, quite a number of things. Uh, the, the Rome TV series, the uh, He's been in the Bill, East Enders, called Babylon, Collision, the Borgias, Psychoville,
0: uh, What Remains, and a couple of episodes of Casualty. Casualty again. Yeah. <laughs> it was a right so so in uh, that Rome, Marcus Tullius Cicero, right. uh, one of the Senate. But he was absolutely brilliant in. Um, uh the whoa, 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 what was it? The uh, Oh, I've lost it. Where's it gone? It's moved. Chris. <laughs> Chris. Oh yeah. Yeah, well that's probably what's thrown me. In Pride and Prejudice, yeah, he played um, the Bennett's cousins, yeah, Mr Collins. Fantastic, isn't it?
2: He'd come around for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did come around for Christmas dinner once, but he was completely stark naked. Now, they strawberries Mike, in the top of their uh, champagne?
0: Mike, was this um, one of these double double headed back to back? Double make episodes? Yeah. I
1: thought so because I because I, I knew that Coleman was in this episode, but I, from what I had read, her role was smaller than what it turned out to be. She's in the episode, in the episode more than what I had read. From what I from what I've read, they they double banked this episode and next week's episode the way they used to do in like series series three and four, which is why we had episodes like oh, Blink with lost uh, lost with again. with one or two of the main actors not on the episode as much. So. Right. That's, what th- well, that's what I thought uh, sorry you a
0: right? lot of, I was just to say a lot, a lot of the scenes they're not they're not together so it is still possible that right. they did that
1: yeah
2: they could have they could have filmed a lot of uh, especially later on they could have just filmed um, her and uh, yeah and um, 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 um Daisy mm. um, you know separately they could have just done that all in one you know
0: Daisy yeah yeah
2: Maisie, Maisie, give me your answer, too.
1: Must have been easy. Daisy, Maisie. Maisie, Daisy no for for all that we've had cell phones with companions uh, them calling back to the, their their normal time i kind of wish that would go away because it hasn't been as prominent in the Moffat era if we don't have that the, the, the companions able to call back then we we have a more a greater sense of being lost in time mm. and it, str- uh, we, being in different areas of time with them being able to call back to their normal time it's like uh, okay we don't really have that much of a sense of traveling to some other point in time and space. Just calling home and saying, hey, what's up? <laughs> this is what's going on. Frank Skinner on screen.
2: Well, on the screen I was going to say Christopher Graham Collins, also known as Frank Skinner.
1: <laughs> <laughs> See, I was looking that up today, and then I saw the, the two different names and realized, oh, yeah, that's what's going on, Okay. He's been in some stuff
2: and done some things. Uh, no, he's, uh, actually, we would have, uh, you would have last seen him in the Five-ish Doctors reboot, if you're not overly familiar with Frank Skinner, which is me. And me. But Dave knows who he is.
0: Yeah, he's, he's a stand-up comedian. Uh, won a Perrier Award at the Edinburgh uh, Fringe Festival in 1991, and, and st- uh, strangely, coincidentally, or whatever, the actual writer of this episode uh, was is a stand-up comedian before he became a writer, Jamie Matheson. So I'm not too sure whether they're actually uh, mates in some way. But uh, Frank Skinner certainly will have deserved this point. He's, he's a well-known Doctor Who fan. And uh, stop me if you need to send anything, guys. And um, he he presents Room 101, which is one of the things he's most... Notable Now, that's a sort of a panel show where people put forward things they want to go into Room 101. In other words, Warehouse 13 got forgotten, got rid of, Mm -hmm. uh, with a funny twist and a bent to it. So Uh with a funny twist and a bent, Ian, you might like that show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you mentioned the writer of this episode. I'll go go ahead and mention him because this last half of the season, we have new writers for Doctor Who. Jamie Mathiason is our writer for this episode and next week's uh, Flatline. What he, what else has he written for? He's written for episodes of Being Human. He was written in at least seven episodes. One of those episodes that he wrote for Being Human was called Pie and Prejudice. Coming oh <laughs> on from the Pride and Prejudice and Zombie mention. Yeah, and I mean, he also wrote... Go ahead. Sorry.
2: No, you, you're probably going to bring it up now.
1: He also wrote an episode of Dirk Gently, the t- 2012 TV series based on Douglas Adams, his work.
2: That's not what I was going to I was gonna bring up. Um, if you haven't seen it, Frequently Asked Questions About Time Travel is a brilliant bloody movie. <laughs> if you have not seen it, watch it. And he wrote it and produced it. Yes. It, it stars Chris O'Dowd, um, Mark Wooten, uh, and Dean Lennox Kelly, uh, and Anna Ferris. Yeah, it's well worth a watch. I mean, I think uh, Merlin McCarley um, suggested that I watch it. And, yeah, well recommended. So, yeah, if you have not seen Frequently Asked Questions about time travel, it's from 2009. It's uh, guys who kind of um, discover, uh, like, a time portal in their local pub's bathroom. And it just it gets confusing, and it's funny, and it's, yeah, just go see it.
0: I like the observation here, by the way, that the, the the very posh men wear the white tie because it's the black. Uh, it's the waiters that should wear the the black tie. The gentlemen wear the white tie. Jelly babies. Ah. Yeah.
2: And it's uh, Capaldi's own uh, contribution to the episode. Uh,
0: he brought his own jelly babies.
2: Yeah, uh, no, he came up with the idea uh, of, of of pulling out a cigar case with the jelly babies in it. Uh, that was admitted by the the, the writer that somebody asked on on reddit um whether he had made any contributions or you know ad libbed anything and they said that uh yep that was that was his contribution it was the jelly babies
0: yeah now there's lots of references to to past doctors and past doctors whose stories here i mean i mean this is reminiscent of the fourth doctor with the jelly babies. But when he goes, approaches that man, he first thing he says, yeah, what's unusual about this thing? Go, which is very much like in Vincent and the doctor. The 12 do- doctor says to the art critic, you know, what summarise in hundred words, what Vincent Van Gogh did go. Right. And there's lots of little references that we'll find catching on.
2: And, and, and playing that expert is uh, Christopher Villiers. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not his first uh, first appearance in Doctor Who, either. He was in—I'll uh, have to find it now. I lost it. <laughs> um, he was uh, in the two-part serial The King's Demons back in 1983, and uh, also guest starred in uh, the Doctor Who audio drama Absolution. So yes, uh, one of his early uh, early acting gigs was in was in Doctor Who.
0: That's amazing. He was in King's Demons because he's only fifty-four now, and right. that was back eighty-three. Like, yeah, thirty years ago, thirty-one years ago.
2: Yep. Yeah, way back then. He prior to that, he'd done Lady Killers, uh, The Gentle Touch, Bergerac, Squadron, The Scarlet Pimpernel, uh, Young Sherlock Holmes, The Mystery of Manor House, and then into, into Doctor Who. So. And he, yeah, uh, yeah, born in 1960. But, uh, coming up uh, in post-production at the moment is in, uh, is chasing, uh, Robert Barker. Uh, he's also recently been seen in, uh, Vera, Seven Lucky Gods, by any means. Curiosity. I thought you, you, you thought I was going to say something else.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's been in Collision, Emmerdale, Mile High, and Captain uh, Nigel Croker. And let's see. Oh, he's also been in Casualty.
0: Casualty, yeah. here we go.
2: <laughs> again, he was in Casualty back in 1989, and then again in 2005. How about that? I love this bit. Oh. Your worst nightmare. A mystery shopper. And the deaths. All the dying.
0: It should really be either a mystery diner or a mystery guest, really, shouldn't it? Mm. Uh,
2: but I like the way the doctor kind of screws it up, you know. Instead of saying. I'm a whatever, you know, and passing yep. that information on to nieces. He, he just gives them, I'm your worst nightmare. And your worst nightmare is getting a bad review from a mystery shopper. Uh,
1: getting I,
0: a bad was, review on Yelp. Yeah. i was noticed the, the the picture behind him. I've got a feeling that's a very famous uh, train collision Um from the 50s or 60s, in the steam engine era. Mm. Why would... Well, I suppose you would have that as a picture, but it's part and parcel of the actual decor, which may or may not be real. Uh Uh-oh. Listening at doors, that'll get you no good. (laughs) Never hear anything nice about yourself doing that. Ah. This... uh...
2: Uh, of course, playing Maisie is Daisy Beaumont. Who's <laughs> got a, uh, a role in uh, <laughs> a TV series called Scrotal Recall? <laughs> I don't know if I want to know. <laughs> Scrotal Recall. Hmm. Uh, but it's also been in uh, A Touch of Cloth. Uh, you, Me, and Them. Whitechapel. Armstrong and Miller show. Who uh, Armstrong and Miller have uh, both been in, in Doctor Who at this point. They said parts in EastEnders, Bill. Uh, she was, uh, played Nina in uh, James Bond's uh, The World Is Not Enough. She's also been in Shanghai Nights. That's a great movie. I love Shanghai Nights. It's uh, Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson.
1: <laughs> I was waiting for you to mention, but you didn't mention she was also in Casualty. Oh, I was taking a break for that line. <laughs> Can we get a new expert? But fine. She was in Casualty. Yep, Casualty. Casualty. Back in 1999.
0: If you're wondering why I'm quiet, I'm looking about this uh, scrotal recall. Um, (laughs) No, I'm not being funny. It's because it was was really. Not, Not intentionally. intentionally. <laughs> uh, because what are you uh, looking up, for? Dave. Because <laughs> uh, it's now AA Gill d- re- <laughs> A A-A-Gil reviewed it in our, in our paper today.
1: Well, Dave, you have that and you are browsing history now.
0: <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> the humour is the social and sexual dysfunction of two blokes. And there's a girl involved, uh, but it's a man who passes, unfortunately, an STD onto his girlfriends, and in a funny way has to tell them all about it. Sounds really idiotic.
2: Yeah, it does a bit. Of course, there's a one one uh, person we haven't covered yet. They're going to make themselves a little more apparent as the episode goes on, and it's the computer. Gus. Played not only none other, by none other than John Sessions. Um uh, I, I, I was most aware of him when he was uh, in uh Whose Line Is It Anyway? He's uh, quite a regular in the the first couple of seasons of, of that. But uh at the moment he's filming Alice in the one line through the looking glass, he's playing the voice of Humpty Dumpty. Uh, Mr. Holmes, he's filming, he's playing Mycroft Holmes and he just completed work on The Silent Storm He uh, played Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and Mr. Selfridge uh, back in, well, back last year. Student Skins, Rebsy Nesbitt, Sped in a ton of things. I'm just skimming over. Very um, uh, very, very, good actor. Um, very uh, brilliant comedian. And also, from what I understand, a very intelligent man.
0: Bubble wrap. Reference to the second Doctor, I think, and some of his uh, an- anti, um, anti-particle creatures or what they were. If only
1: it were plastic wrap, then it could have been those aliens from the invasion of time <laughs> one of my favorite aliens ever in Doctor Who oh, dear too bad the the d v d the d v d special effects version replaced them oh it did i did yeah know. it did it, 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 they they redid the special effects for the, just just for them so it wouldn't just be floating plastic wrap. <laughs> That's Tom Baker. Yeah, that Tom Baker was acting against.
2: H. John Sessions studied for a PhD at uh, McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, but did not complete the doctorate. He attended RADA, uh, graduated uh, with an MA from the University of Wales. So yeah, but we'll be hearing a lot more from him as this episode goes on.
1: So on Cultum earlier today, we were mentioning different... Some people are mentioning elements of other episodes that made their way into this episode. Of course, we've seen elements of Voyage of the Damned here, with, a, in this case, a train uh, going through space, uh, the Orient Express uh, train in space. Um, we've seen elements of... Uh, well, we're going to see elements of the God complex here shortly
0: making its way into this episode. And we see elements of lots of different, not versions of the Doctor, different attributes of the different, you know, personifications of the Doctor. And I think that's been done deliberately. uh, Mentioned at the end when we come to a summation of it.
2: Well, I found that, that um, with Capaldi's Doctor more than any other Doctor, people seem to see their Doctor more in his Doctor than anybody else. With Matt Smith, you always get a kind of a second Doctor vibe. Um, and every now and then you get little bit bits and pieces of, you know, in, with tenant stuff, maybe. But with his, it's like I get a sixth Doctor vibe from him a lot. Yeah. Um, People get a first doctor vibe. They get a third, a, a third, third you know. So and 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 the up, thing, you know. There's a lot of Tom Baker bits in there. The the whole talking to himself in his room is a very kind of Tom Bakerish. Uh, lot well, of the first doctor as well with his mm. with
0: his uh, cantankerousness and that.
2: Mm. Yeah. Well somebody just liked it on Facebook. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Sorry. It's Thumbs basically an, an, an amalgam, really, isn't it? Hmm.
2: But that's the interesting thing about Capaldi's doctor. He seems to have kind of encapsulated. I don't know if it, I don't know if we're just seeing it because we're Doctor Who fans and you're going, "Oh, he I, he reminds me of my doctor," you know, or whether it, it's you know a conscious thing or you know oh, Einstein's overact- overacting again. Uh,
1: you, people mentioned the Einstein look alike there. I also noticed one of the actors, one of the extras looks like darwin (laughs) so we have darwin and einstein here
2: what do you find it uh, odd i i guess everybody's doing period stuff though but um no aliens on the train
0: no that's true But one of the funny things about this is where where people said there were sort of some of those um, people that don't have speaking roles, a little bit of, uh, you know, rent a a celebrity or rent a doctor. Mm. It's quite amazing that Christopher Villa is playing this professor here. uh, Actually, co-founded 2020 Casting Limited, the largest film background extras agency in the country. So he may say, well, if you give me the job, I'll bring half a dozen of my free buddies. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I'm saying that there's anything uh, untoward about the casting of the people in there, but I'm wondering if they actually are on the list of his casting agency.
2: If they were before, they probably are now. (laughs) Did you enjoy your time on Doctor Who? Well, I can get you jobs like this all the time. (laughs) (laughs)
0: This is this is where the you know the arrogance and unsympathetic part. Oh,
2: but it is it is it is an interesting one though because uh, here is this man who's you know studied this stuff all of his life and he just goes to pieces in the last you know few moments as you would because you're about to die. But it's funny because you know um, the doctor just wants him to retain his um, objectivity and he can't.
1: Which is odd for the Doctor to suddenly be that way, I've, I've noticed, because we had, what was it, Eccleston in, uh what was it, Aliens of London, World War Three, where he, there was that scene where one of the character, one of the minor characters had died and the Doctor apologized afterwards. Mm. And here we have a Doctor who's just, who's completely objective towards death and only in it for, for the information. So right. it's completely different here in this incarnation.
0: Well, there's certainly a practicality about it. It's whether it's, um, it, it's being deliberately cold-blooded or it's just being, um, you know, um, what's the word? Totally objective to the point of being not human, which, of course, he isn't. Right. Well,
1: I, I, I guess that's I, – I know that's what they're going for with this new Doctor, is they're emphasizing his alien – that that he is an alien, that he isn't human. So – Okay, so this entire episode, I was going to mention the one thing about the the time slot for this episode. This episode aired at eight thirty five p.m. on BBC One on this last night, Saturday, the ninth. Was it the eleventh? The eleventh of October. Um, that's the latest Doctor Who has ever started in the in the modern era, and there's there's a reason for that beyond just strictly come dancing. Uh, apparently, the BBC thought that, that the mummy was too scary to air at any time slot earlier than 8.35 p.m. And originally, they were not even going to show the mummy on any trailers or anything for the episode because they thought it was too scary.
2: Weird. And, right. I, I mean, and again, I'm not a kid, you know, but and Callum didn't really kind of... There was scarier stuff in the first episode, you know, Capaldi's first episode, more gorier stuff, if you ask me. Mm. The, the guy, you know... The balloon. Getting the, the balloon, the guy getting impaled. Um That was That was worse. Yeah.
0: Yes, there's no blood in this, was there? And I should say, by the way, I haven't had a time check yet, so we're at 29 minutes 30 seconds. Um, 5.08 million uh, on the overnight figures. Um, I, we haven't got the AI rating yet for this, but I've got a feeling it's going to be well into the 85, 86 mark.
1: They're using iPads. Yep. Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, Einstein
2: but, overacting again? Yeah. He just sticks uh, out like a sore thumb. It's weird. I know.
0: Yeah. He and, does. Uh, but at uh, no point did they actually say these are historically no. uh, science figures. He's just yeah. got that
2: kind of Einsteinish look. You know. The hair. Well, it's
0: a sh- shorthand for this is a brainy man, isn't it? Yeah. That's yeah. the
2: point. Boffin. They looked him up in a Boffin book. Yeah, who mm-hmm. looks like a Boffin? don't have the
0: right app installed on this iPad. <laughs> I think I think they should have done something to disguise that. Really. Oh dear.
2: Because <laughs> I'm secretly a crossdresser. What? <laughs> Anyway, back to the episode.
1: (laughs) You know, for all the other scientists that we have here on this episode, we don't hear it from any of them. No, They're all just
2: sort of there. I know you're going to pay for speaking parts, but dang it. (laughs) Mm.
0: It's
2: like, but (laughs) I I suppose when you've got... uh, you know, a, a space train, and a uh, and a mummy to make you know walk through people and stuff like that. You know, you can't afford to pay pay the extras
1: to talk. See, that's the, that's the. I think he looks like Darwin right there. That guy, kind of.
2: He's he's doing. He's giving them the once over. The eyes are going on.
1: So, yeah, there we go.
0: Oh. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that was well done.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Quick as you like. <laughs> <take us> <laughs> so your life, so your life is in danger. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who's who's the foretold? In who's foretold is uh, played by uh,
2: Jamie Hill. Uh, who, uh, played a silent in, uh, the Doctor Who proms in 2013. Played a silent in Closing Time, The Wedding of River Song, and Time of the Doctor. And I don't have much more information on Jamie other than that. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So here you see, is this, that, is this rationalizing the situation or just being cold blooded? See, that's Very the bad.
1: moment I was referring to where previous incarnations like the Eccleston would have been more concerned with a character who had just died. This one, however, is completely unfazed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we
0: we, we on information, the, on
1: the data, on the science. But
0: well, that takes you back to the first Doctor. you got to go and they go back to the Cave of Skulls. Oh, yeah. In the yeah. first.
1: He and he and also, offering, he was offering the caveman a rock to use as a pillow. There's <laughs> nothing
0: cool about that.
2: Also, uh, you could you could reference the Sixth Doctor, uh, especially in. I um, uh, Einstein.
0: Adventures of Varus.
2: Vengeance of Varus with the whole uh, acid bath scene. Mm.
0: He didn't actually push.
2: He didn't push, but, but he made oh. a, He made a, He made a dry, dry remark and left. <laughs> Yeah. didn't say, oh, that's a shame. If you're like,
0: excuse me, I won't join you or something. Yeah,
2: yeah. if you excuse me, I won't join you. And off he, off he drops.
0: Doctor du- du- <laughs> Dr. Who is too violent
1: these days. Mm. Yes. Especially in an
2: episode where they're pointing out the very fact about TV shows becoming too violent. Yep.
0: Mm. Irony.
2: Irony. Irony yeah. and irony.
0: But it reminds me of Avon in one of the... Um, you know the, uh, the the episodes of Blake Seven where uh, this scientist repairs these uh, these engines for all of them, and when they sw- they can't they have to switch on to get away, and they have to switch on before she got out of the chamber, so she gets vaporized. And Villa uh, says, "Well, what about Doctor Sumner?" And he says, "Who?" And then the the episode closes. In other words, the dead. Who are they? Yeah. They, they don't exist.
2: Why does he have a wire on his phone? And it's not plugged into anything.
0: That was where he pulled it out of the wall.
2: Oh, and he made it wireless, that's right.
0: Yeah.
2: Scissors. He used the magic screwdriver. I mean, sonic screwdriver.
0: It didn't always work. It didn't work work with the lock. Right. He used scissors to make them wireless. (laughs) Which again is is the fourth Doctor reference, isn't it? Even the sonic screwdriver won't get me out of this.
2: Right. Even the sonic screwdriver won't get us out of this double banking thing that we're doing <laughs> by having her locked in a, a car with one other person. I can totally see how they pulled this off. I mean, they could have done this whole shoot, you know, with with her in in in
0: you know one day. Yeah, certainly two days. Two it days isn't. with her, two days with him, and one day with them both.
2: I'll just go with well. the two days with her. Thanks very much.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> we don't... Tush.
0: I'm your cabin boy for today, miss. You want <laughs> the bed bringing that putting down?
1: <laughs> Good for you. Uh.
0: And again, it's fairly moving. Here we're at 36 minutes and 22 seconds. Right. And I'm down to my last glass of wine. So it's fairly racing along.
2: Yeah, me too. Mind you, I didn't. I started this bottle on Friday Night Trivia.
0: Oh, yeah. I only started on, with a half a bottle.
2: On Radio not Creek, Cleveland.
0: And not that much of a look. See, she was just getting one round and now she's. Oh. I like I'm the dress, Ian. Yeah. Yes, I do. Right. That's a good. It's, it's better now when it's in a, on its own.
2: I thought you were talking about the dress still. <laughs> oh,
0: no. I, yeah, it was, it was confused <laughs> no, there.
1: Dave. The dress
2: is better on its own. I'm like, well, <laughs>
1: uh,
2: as long as we can still see her when the dress is on its own.
0: Uh, uh, see, so he's, not, he's not prepared for other people to do anything that he wouldn't do.
2: Right. Well, also, he said it before, too. He says, you know, one go around with me and that thing would be gone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I he'll be <laughs> 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 oh, that's funny. Oh. Yeah. There
2: we go. Penny drops.
1: With our soldier here in Series 8. Uh, the soldier series.
2: That little kind of musical sting there that. It almost sounded like. You know, classic Who. Uh. 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 Salute. Oh, oi! He relieved himself all over the floor.
0: Oh, see again, <laughs> and there's his hard light generator from Red Dwarf. Yeah. I don't oh, see a I, I don't see a letter H anywhere. No. <laughs> yeah, but that's what it looks like, doesn't it? it looks yeah. like that. This looks like the light B Just once, why doesn't it have a written on the side? Big red button. <laughs>
2: Actually, in, in during rehearsal, um, they hadn't actually cast the voice uh, for Gus yet. Uh, so J- they asked Jamie Madison if he, if he wanted to do the voice, and so he did. Um, and he enjoyed himself thoroughly just doing the voice of Gus. And of course, then they cast John Sessions.
1: And there goes the train.
2: Yep. And there's a the
0: beach. We shouldn't hear an explosion in space. I'd forgotten that. I didn't <laughs> notice that the first time. Okay,
2: it's, it's not in no, any word. Now, this we've seen this building before. That was in. Um, oh. The. The, the two powder with the master and Martha walking the earth. It's like a power plant. Um,
1: Sound of drums, journey, uh, less of the time words.
2: Yeah. That's she would you see her walking towards that building when they're going to uh meet that uh professor.
0: Yeah, shot in Limpet Bay, Vale of the Morgan. But most of this stuff was done in a uh, studio based stuff. Right. Was slightly Gallifrey in the the uh, buildings in the background. But- Yeah, first Doctor Stick as well. Yep. Uh, certainly when it was uh, Richard Hurdle playing the part. Yep. In The Five Doctors.
2: That's a nice line. Mm. Would you like to think that about me? <laughs>
0: Now, you see there, that looks like a real hair, but before it definitely looked like a wig. Which, again, makes me think it is the ball bang, because if she was filming it in another episode, Mike, where her hair was indifferent, she'd, she'd probably have to wear a wig for you to differentiate.
2: You get some very, very, very good wigs these days. She could be wearing a a, a ball cap and, you know... Yeah, a human hair, a hair wig. A cap and a human hair wig. And they've got these ones now that have got such... Uh, they've got like a mesh on them, so that it, you know, the bits of skin that you can't see through, it looks so real. Don't do they do some fantastic work with with wigs? I'll
0: take your word for it. Oh yeah, he's quite clever. Like, this blog, isn't it, do you wonder
2: there? about this guy. There's something going on here. That's
0: no that no was, no. I think that's actually a failing of Frank Skinner. He's got that, um, he's got that slightly sneery part. Part of his his stand-up act is that.
1: No, nice? I think it's the, the writing of the character. I think there's something a lot more to this this character than we're told in this episode. I think he may be Gus. But that's ah, just... that
0: that is a possibility. I, I think he that might be Gallifreyan.
1: That too. Because he he, says, at, he looks into the, the 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 console, the bottom of the console there, and he mentions you have some broken whatever stuff yeah. component to the TARDIS. How would he know that if he wasn't already familiar with right. TARDISes? He says, well, why don't you stay
2: on and, and take over? He's like, I got a feeling that could change a man. Mm, that too, I noticed that as well. It's it's quite subtle, but it's and and also as he's leaving, the TARDIS makes a noise. It does. It goes.
0: I think Lewis was saying on the, the extras, um, Frank's going to say that they filmed him saying he was staying and only filmed him saying he was leaving. Hmm. Interesting. Now, whether that was just to, to cause confusion. I haven't watched the extra myself yet, so.
1: I have a feeling we might see that character again. I yeah. don't know any casting of future episodes, but I have a feeling we might see him again.
2: There was just something going on there that, you know, could be just fan reading stuff yeah. into stuff, but there was just seemed to be more said, uh, you know, or not said in that conversation. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, coming up to your wallpaper in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Now, that's the first time he replies because she said that she loved him uh, in the school one, didn't she? But um, Danny didn't respond to it. There's my wallpaper coming up.
2: There it is. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And now she's lying to the doctor. (laughs) Which I was surprised, because somebody said that to to Darth, you know, all that. she lies to the doctor and he said, oh, well, uh, you know, thought it was more interesting that she she lied to Danny, and I'm like, I don't find it inter- that interesting at all.
0: No, I think you said it was more uh, significant that she lied to her boyfriend, who she supposedly loves. Well, I think it's more significant that she's lying to the doctor, because that's what she's been harassing him about, him drinking right, and, and, yeah. and
2: not being truthful with, and now she's bold-faced lying to him. So if
0: you can continue, this is a bit. Go Go ahead. Now that reminded me of um, next time. Fires of of Pompeii with the uh, the 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 doctor and uh, Martha pressing the button together. Did you
1: notice? Did you notice the TARDIS door there? Mm -hmm. It was it was far in the distance and smaller. I one thing I do know about this episode is that the exterior of the TARDIS shrinks. That's one thing I know about this episode uh, coming up next week. Well, the TARDIS now we know that. Yes. spoiler. <laughs> we we saw that in the trailer there. That was shown there with the the door, being way in the distance and smaller. And the Doctor even mentions that the the, the, the TARDIS is changing dimension. Or whatever it's called, oh. Flat Stanley.
2: <laughs> Flat <laughs> Stanley, the Doctor <laughs> Who edition. Flatline. Flatline. Yes. Well, uh it's time for wrap up lines. So, um I'll go first since uh, mine's uh short but sweet. I mean I said pretty much all I was gonna say uh on today's Coltman Collective, uh which you can find on Talkshoe, uh and on iTunes. So yeah, check that out. And to hear what all the rest of the collective thought as well. Uh, but down to what I thought. Um it gets better and better with every watch. Um which is kind of odd because <laughs> It's one of those ones where it has a very definite like you. You're introduced to the monster, and then you know within about you know half an hour what the monster is, what it's all about, and it's quickly you know turned to dust basically. Um, but it still still rewatches, uh, which is nice. I always like it when you know even though you know what the end of the episode is, it's still rewatchable. Uh, loved uh, Fox's rendition of. Uh, um, of, 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 the, of of one of my favorite Queen songs, um, even the, yeah, I was really kind of surprised. I'm like, I'm not going to like this because it's Queen, and yeah, you tend to be overprotective of bands you like, and uh, I ended up really, really enjoying it. I saw the video of it before it came on the episode, and thought uh, so it was great. Again, like the fact that we'd been told that this fox's woman was going to be in in it and you know the the usual groans come out oh great you know they're putting a singer in the Doctor Who so it's going to be awful you know because you know just stick with singing and she did she sang a song and you know there was no uh, additional stuff thrown in there and she did a brilliant job of it I, I hope this gets you know released as a single I don't know if there's any plans for that but Please do; it'd be brilliant to be able to like buy that it on iTunes. Um, back to the episode. Uh, found it kind of a bit. Um, what's the what's the episode I'm searching for? Uh, "Girl in the Fireplace." With last week, we got this—you know, uh, almost slap in the face. I don't want to see you ever, 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 ever again. You know, you go far, far, far away. But then come back and take me on a last trip. It almost seemed like we forgot about what happened last week, and now we're you know we're back again and you know doing something different. Yes, we get mentions of you know this is this is our last trip and things like that. But it just seemed kind of odd. I think it would have been nicer to do an episode without her, to be honest. Like you think that they're not going to meet ever again and then have her come back and, you know, he has to land on yes. earth because he's investigating something and it's close by to where she is and she gets drawn into it and, you know, then decides to, to join up with him again. That would have been to me, you know, kind of more.
1: Um, Wait, I have to break in at this point. You want an episode without Clara? Yes, because it yeah, was I, not, the only one.
2: <laughs> not because of that, because I enjoyed her in the flapper outfit and I, I do love Clara. Um, but I think it would have served that whole story better if we had a had a one episode break. But I understand that the the story here too kind of yeah you know, serves the two of them a lot better. Um, but overall, I a really good episode, uh, good supporting cast, uh, and yeah, uh, just kind of gotta agree with Darth a bit on, on today's show where he was kind of hoping for that kind of. Uh, period whodunit, you know, murder mystery on a train—that would have been kind of cool too. Uh, but instead, we get a mummy that's easily explained away. But it's still kind of cool, anyway. Especially when the doctor kind of um, watches these people die, because there is nothing he can do until he figures out, you know, what the mummy's about. You know, uh, sorry, the foretold. Um, there's nothing he can do. You know. Because he needs he needs answers he needs to be able to see it, and then he figures it out and dispels it. So, all right, that's that's all I've got for the moment, and I'll pass over to Mr. Randall Thor, Mike. Your thoughts?
1: Right, there was something that you mentioned there that triggered something in my mind. You were saying how th- this episode didn't really match up with with the previous episode where Clara was done with ostensibly done traveling with the doctor right. with the the argument at the end and you also mentioned girl in the fireplace which is exactly where i'm going <laughs> behind the scenes steven moffat did not know the outcome for the previous episode right. school reunion where we had that falling out between rose and mickey so moffat didn't know that going into his, his episode which had both rose and mickey traveling in the tardis so what, I, what I'm getting at here is maybe Mathiasin didn't know that outcome of the previous episode, Kill the Moon, when he wrote this episode. And, but yet he, he knew he was writing a, an adventure with, uh, with, with, with Clara and the Doctor. He just didn't know that it. He, he, there was quickly something written in there to establish. Okay, this this is the continuity. This continues right. on to this episode. This is why there's this going on. Yeah, this, that's on that's why I
2: brought right. up uh, girl in the Firebase, because of that actual event. But apparently there was some heavy rewriting done, or at least you know suggestions passed back from Moffat on this. So I find that yeah you know, maybe a little harder to believe. But you know things get messed. Things do get missed, and so the and things read differently in tone you know than than you see them on the screen so it's it's always hard telling
1: yeah see that's that's the reason why I don't really buy the explanation that I gave because I know from uh, Gareth Roberts that Stephen Moffat is has been was really heavy-handed and 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 carrying on the continuity of the series with Clara and, and Danny he was He was always in with with all the writers saying, "Hey w- uh, there are these elements that I need for the for the overall story arc for the right. series. You have to include these." So that's why I don't really think that's what happened with this episode because Mathiasen would have known all of these elements from previous episodes. In fact, you mentioned the the Reddit uh, Ask Me Anything that he he did. There was another question. Somebody else he replied to where he said that he was given bits and pieces of previous episodes from Series 8. He was given bits of scripts. He was even given uh, bits of uh, the Capaldi's first episode, well, a couple of months before it aired. So So were we all. So we all were. Yes. Sorry. We all
0: were. We even all Even
1: I. I didn't, even I saw not I didn't. I, didn't. <laughs> I saw the first five episodes before they aired. Yeah. But back to this episode here. I just... Um, this is the episode I've been waiting for. If you look back at my views of previous episodes of this series, I've been waiting for a moment where I actually feel that Capaldi has made the character of the doctor his own and in this episode which featured which it the doctor was more the main character than clara finally in the in this series uh, we finally get some clear definition to his his character his portrayal we more clearly know who this new doctor is, we more clearly know how this new doctor would react in given situations. Maybe not as clearly as some of his more recent predecessors, but we have some more definition to his character, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And there, were, this episode was, a, was more of a throwback to the classic series. There were lots of elements there from the classic series, not just with little uh, uh, actions here and there Like the Doctor offering the jelly babies That was of course a reference Just the, the writing and tone of this episode Was more in, in line with classic episodes We had characters dying In this episode, just flat out Dying, end of I think that's the first time in this series alone We've had characters just Dying And not coming back to life That th- That's the thing, dying, end of Full stop Which is uh it's an interesting change of pace. It's back to the classic Arab Doctor Who. We had so many stories where, where characters died. The, the fourth Doctor story, the horror of Fang Rock, where by the end of that story, the Doctor and Leela were the only two characters left alive at, in, in that setting. So that was nice to see on Doctor Who again, adding to the creepiness factor of this episode. The mummy? Th- the mummy was... Uh, I don't know. I would have, I, I, It was just a basic idea. There was nothing really that new and innovative about their the the foretold what what they did with that okay it's a soldier they're re-emphasizing the soldier theme that we've had for this entire series with capaldi Uh, of course we didn't have the same the same reaction for the doctor the doctor didn't react in a negative way towards soldiers here it was just oh hey it's a soldier let's let's continue on ignore that let's just move on uh this character of gus we were never told exactly who this Gus character is, which leaves me leads me to think that this is building the foundation for the series finale. That's what I'm thinking here. Since we were not told who Gus is, Gus is coming back at the end of the series. Has to. That's just the way Doctor Who story arcs go nowadays. Uh, we get a, character int- a mysterious character introduced, and we return to them later in- at the end of the series. I'm thinking that's what's going to happen here. And Drex. maybe... Drax. <laughs> it's Drax. Oh, there we go. Uh, spoilers. Spoiler alert. It's Drax.
2: No, we don't know. It's just a, a yeah, thing that was running through Coltom today on Facebook.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, but we have this uh, Frank Skinner's character here who... Um, this, this, this Perkins character who could... There, there are one or two ways this character could go. This character could be Gus. We there are mo- several moments in this episode where we see this character doing things that, if he was just the simple character, he wouldn't do. Like when he was waiting outside the, outside the the captain's office with there with the bundles of of, map, of maps and charts and stuff, and he he had he had his cover story of oh, I'm actually I've actually been looking into this already. Uh, is that actually what was going on with the character or was he actually behind the scenes pulling the strings and already had all of this orchestrated and the fact that this character was the only one the Doctor was talking to and helping the Doctor out along the way, guiding the Doctor along. Maybe something else is going on there. And then as Ian said at the end of the episode we have this whole thing and the TARDIS where maybe Perkins maybe there's a different Thing going on with the character. Maybe he's a Time Lord, or maybe he's from Gallifrey. Maybe he he has some previous experience with 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 a TARDIS and Time Lords and Gallifrey, because he he, he knew he knew how to uh, check the TARDIS. He knew how to examine the the console uh, uh, rather surprisingly well. So that's surprising. Um, so another thing with this episode that I that somebody on Twitter and I were, were talking about afterwards, we had all these scientist characters, and of course we had the the whole gender disparity in this this episode where we had all the women scientists in the background, and there was one moment where one of them looked as if she was about to say something, but as they're all extras; they didn't get a single line. None of them, not as not a single scientist, said anything on this episode during during the whole laboratory scene. It would have been nice to have some more. To hear one of them say something, any of them, but they're all—they were all just there, filling up the room. Um, but yeah, overall, I, this is the first episode of the series that I've actually thoroughly enjoyed. The only my main problem with this episode is I still don't like Clara. I <sighs> don't like the character. I—I I liked. I like her... The thing with Clara is... I like her less and less with every episode. And that's going from a starting point of... I don't like this character. Goes downhill every episode. I don't like the character. At all. I just... She's never been an interesting character to me. Now she has a personality. And just... I don't really like where they're going with the character. I don't like her connection with the Doctor. I... I don't like her. I just... And this episode... Again, as Ian pointed out, we had this whole thing where oh, let's go on one more adventure. It just felt odd. As I was at the beginning of this episode, as the, as the Doctor and Clara kept talking about one more adventure, I kept thinking, what? Why? Why? That doesn't make sense. This is just, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't like it. But uh, I'm ready for a new companion, and I still, I still am ready for a new companion, someone besides Clara. But overall, this was the first episode of this episode of the series capaldi series that i've truly enjoyed i love that capaldi was great as the doctor in this episode we finally saw his characterization of the doctor overall this is my favorite episode of the series so far
2: there you go high praise on one
1: hand and uh, yeah. <laughs> get rid and to get rid of the companion and the showrunner on flapping the other. on the other hand <laughs>
2: i said flapping
1: <laughs> i wasn't
2: going there <laughs> Anyway,
0: Dave. Um, <laughs> I'm almost lost now because uh, I, I I believe she's one of the best companions they've ever had. Really a superlative, not just the fact that she uh, can uh, act and she can portray these um, uh, different uh Things that have been demanded of her, uh, I do prefer her now. You know, she's not the splintered, fragmented, uh, impossible girl, uh, and she's more a person with a career, a lifestyle, and what have you. We've got some development moving on with the with the that phone call that you know we know Danny loves her. But you say you don't know why she's gone on this trip. Uh, you you feel as though this has been. Come out of the cold. There's no continuity there, but the continuity was added, probably with the Stephen Moffat scene at the end of last week, where she's back at school, and she's complaining to Danny Pink, and Danny says, when she speaks, you know, you can't be that angry with somebody you've not that you've somebody you finished with. Basically, it was his idea that she go along with him on this journey to 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 finally settle in her mind that. Um, you know, she's ready to to leave the doctor's side and 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 um, you know go back into a, a life with him and away from the TARDIS. So I think that's perfectly plausible. Uh, I think the the trailer that they showed from last week, showing that this was in space maybe missold it. On the other hand, if they hadn't shown it in space, then people may have gone even more disappointed if they were thinking it was a historical drama, unicorn and the wasp or whatever you want to think of. Um, but I thought it was an absolutely lavish production. I thought it was very well crafted. I think this, uh, this writer for a debut writing piece is, uh, is really 95% of the way there. I, I can't fault him with that. And, uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear from Mike that we've we've got these new writers in this second half. I think last week's was a new writer as well. This time, Stephen Moffat is not credited in the writing as a joint writer, but um, I thought it, it was excellent. Uh, the way that the Doctor was in a lot of scenes on his own definitely, definitely helped, and I, I, I can uh, agree with Mike on that. Um, that... Clara has been, you know, the overpowering influence in some ways. Almost, you know, uh, maybe too much to focus. Uh, uh, maybe you can have too much of a good thing. But to say that she's not a good companion, I find very difficult to comprehend. But I can, I can agree that people may have thought that the program was going too much. Uh, you know the companions adventures with the doctor uh and that has happened before uh so that's not something new um so the way that they had filmed their scenes separately actually did seem to release uh I, I, what i think it shows is that when clara's on screen uh she takes your eye goes to her more than the doctor, and that shouldn't be. If it's the if it's Doctor Who, the doctor should be the, the you know the prime character. Uh, so I, again, I take on board what Mike's saying. And actually, um, I'll,
1: break, I'll break into your from yeah? the, the vast majority of the show's run, I've been told. Uh, the companion has and is and and were and are the main, the the main character. So that the argument of oh the doctor should be the main character is null and void. The companions are. Traditionally, the main character's over the doctor, and that goes into classic series as well.
0: well, not when they had multiple uh that's components. what i've been Just... told
1: that's the, that's that's the reaction that i've ha- that I've generally had when I make the argument of the doctor should be the main character. People say that no if you look back what? at the classic series.
0: No, I don't agree with that. I mean, definitely when the doctors—I mean, when it when it uh, was—you know—I'm Sarah Jane Smith. I mean, very strong character, and we've had others. Uh, And then we got then we went to the opposite extreme, where the fifth doctor, you know, was you know overrun with companions, and they couldn't think of enough different things for them to do. Uh, And therefore, what's happening now is that basically you're getting one companion. and maybe that's the, the development that we need. Maybe do we do need, you know, the um, Danny Pink character coming in. Um, not because I want another couple a la, um, you know, um, the, the last couple, uh, Amy and Rory. I don't want that again, Um that that was very good in the start. They overstayed their welcome. I thought there was a very good opportune moment when you know the doctor bought them a house and a car, and I thought well that's it we're, we're done and finished. But of course when we had the sort of uh, follow on stories that we had, uh, and maybe they did overstay. Clara, I, I would happy for Clara to stay uh, another complete season. I mean I'm not going to speculate about the things that we talked about. When, if, why she's leaving, but uh or maybe whatevers uh, i I'm totally happy with her as a companion, but I do feel that we need to be more doctor centric, and maybe that's the only thing that would knock half a point of this because this is a strong four and a half out of five for me. agree with Ian uh it, it, you know it stands up to multiple viewings there's a lot of complexity with this doctor, and I think that is a deliberate thing because this is a doctor. Starting on a whole new set of regenerations, and I, 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 it's a little bit like uh, when you have in Star Trek when you have somebody going the transporter, uh, and you know you have you have different personalities popping in and out uh, as as three people are amalgamed in the in, in the uh, in the stream, uh, and basically we're getting. Glimpses of doc- lots of different things. I'm getting very strong first doctor vibes with his, you know, his coldness and his alienness and his aloofness and his rather, um, you know, uh, uh, standoffish nature. But yet I'm seeing an awful lot of the third doctor. The fourth doctor's been coming through more recently. We even had hints of, um, you know, um, the second doctor and the fifth doctor. Uh, I don't think I've seen any more recently in that, maybe we had a little bit of Matt Smith violent at the beginning, but that may well be because they were scripts written for the Matt Smith's Doctor. Um, The the idea that you had, I've been thinking about it since you suggested it, that um, Perkins could be uh, Gus, but of course we hear Gus talking, so whether Gus is um, literally able to do the logic on his own, because... Um, the Perkins character was in the room all the time now having said that you know if it truly was you know like the murder on the Orient Express or if you if you remember the old Agatha Christie one when they're on the island uh, which has a number of different titles depending on uh, which political correctness you want to go for Uh, originally it was called Ten Little Indians and it's had other names Uh, but basically without spoiling the plot of that um no, I don't say any more. But the point is that if he's hiding in plain sight and Perkins actually is the intelligence behind this, um, this goss and programmed it, that is certainly possible. We don't know whether um, it's also to do with the, um, the other um, netherworld, uh, nether sphere, uh, whether something's happening from that side of it. But all in all, None of that mattered to me. I I like the the way that uh, when Clara's on her own with the um, the Maisie character, um, the the attachment she still has is 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 drawn out from her. There, she then gets uh, um, pushed back again when she thinks the Doctor is leading this girl to a certain death with no compassion at all. But then she sees him um risk his own life he, he 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 saves her almost by accident. one admits i mean his his prime reason is not to save her life, but as Ian said it 's because he wants his time with this creature so he can analyze it. I think the the creature was very satisfactorily uh, envisioned I thought it looked creepy enough i 'm not sure it 's quite as as gory as when like Ian said, that fellow fall even though it was an android, falling on that spike was very much more gruesome, uh, and there was no blood spilt in this. But um, it was definitely a great uh, adversary, and of course, then there was the second jeopardy of um, once they concluded, uh, surprise, surprise, Gus had no more uh, use for them, so um, the, the air was vacated. And, of course, this train had been usually found on three or four unsuccessful uh, uh, attempts to uh, to capture this creature. So, again, I've talked far too long. I enjoyed it immensely. I thought it was very high standard. Um, if it loses half a point, it loses it because those um, the extra cast that weren't allowed to talk, uh, unfortunately, uh, slightly hammed it up in the background, And um, that was a little bit. They were caricatures, really, and therefore detracted somewhat from uh, the main acting. But stellar work and um, very highly recommended. And I'm not too sure whether this is my favourite one of the series so far. I mean, to me, we've had eight episodes and I think that we've had at least three outstanding episodes so far. And uh, oh, I'm saying what I said on the Colton Collective. This is no voyage of the damned. This is the voyage of the damn good doctor. (laughs)
2: All righty. Well, thank you, Dave. And, uh, yeah that's
1: our uh, that's our one more quick comment oh, uh, that's just that's just an over, over this is, <laughs> nope this is just something that this is neither good nor bad this is just something I'm noticing about the the pattern of this series series eight so far as, is a mirror image of series seven b in series seven b we had the doctor trying to solve this mystery of the impossible girl he was trying to understand Clara and get to, and know what figure out what's going on with her this series series eight we have the exact opposite of that we have Clara trying to solve this puzzle of who this doctor is who this new doctor is clara trying to understand the doctor
0: the mirror image of series 7b but it's the doctor that poses the question on the tardy steps he true. asks clara am i no
1: true it is but it's clara trying to understand the doctor now yep Alrighty. well we'll leave you to ponder over
2: that one until of course next week when We'll be talking all over the top of the next episode, which is Dave
0: Flatline. Yes, we're going to unwrap that one,
2: <laughs> uh, or Dave's going to flatline. Either way, we're not sure, <laughs> but join us because <laughs> it should be fun. <laughs> the heart stopping,
0: <laughs> all right. And
2: uh, what
0: I'm, I'm going to bring a second half along, I think. <laughs>
2: Well, let's see if Dave's hearts run it next week. Until then, though, it's goodbye from Mr. Randall Thor.
1: It's goodbye from Dave AC. And it's goodbye from Ian the Sixth Doctor.
2: Goodbye, everybody. Mike, are you here? Yes,
0: yes, um, yes I'm, so I'm... Oh, so my, oh, my, oh wait, oh, that's the wrong one. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry?
1: <sighs> Ooh, a book club. <sighs> Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah, <sighs> oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino.